developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you, you define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Lin and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today visiting with us is my friend, Jerry Uberly. Jerry is truly an amazing person as you'll quickly see her power, passion, success, creativity, and huge influencing abilities. Today we're going to talk about accelerating women's leadership worldwide. But let's start and just learn a little bit about Jerry's very impressive and adventurous life. Jerry grew up in a small um, town, Flat River, Missouri. She started her career as a speech therapist and spanned the uh, geographic and socioeconomic sections from urban inner cities to rehab centers and governmental agencies. Uh, She eventually found herself in China doing this kind of work. She founded the Global Interactions to promote professional global exchanges with counterparts from different careers to accelerate sharing of research, technologies, and best practices. 80-plus international conferences were held in China with participants from 30 countries. And then she founded the World Academy for the Future of Women. And we'll talk about where and how that got started. She's connected to the UN, and then the UN is granted special consultancy status. The World Academy is a university-based action leadership program to accelerate women's leadership worldwide. The focus of the training is for women to discover their passion, purpose, and path to success engaging in self-created projects which align with United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. The World Academy has more than 1,500 alumni from sites in China, Kathmandu, Nepal, Dhaka, and Bangladesh. She has an annual women's symposium with over 10,000 participants. And it's held not only for members, but for their, uh, their mothers and other students. It's amazing what she's done for women all around the world. She's also even created a men's academy for the future of women. Jerry's honors go on and on, and I encourage you to look at our show notes to see all the types of honors and awards and, and accomplishments that Jerry has registered. So please check those show notes to read more about her stellar accomplishments. But she is not even close to being done. She still continues, continues in all these programs. So Jerry, welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you, Dr. Lynn. It's wonderful to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you. And I appreciate your time in between all your trips around the world here. So let's start with 
you know, why did you focus your life on women and women's leadership? Because you had a very accomplished career as a speech pathologist before that. Yes, I, I, I never had a job I didn't like. <laughs> and, uh, and during doing jobs that I liked, uh, I went to a United Nations Women's Forum in 1995 in Beijing, where 40,000 women from around the world came together. And I had never, you know, I'd always known about, you know, women and equality, but I had never really focused on it. But it was at that meeting in Beijing that it occurred to me that it was time. It was really time for women to be at the decision-making tables, to have a voice and to have a choice. And when was lives. that? Like how long ago was that? That was 1995. So you were really a pioneer in leading some of these women's, women's uh, leadership issues then. And I need lots of help. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's room for lots of leaders in that. And I think the best way for women to find equality is to lead themselves in the path they want to go, to not compromise their dreams, to not compromise the goals that they see for themselves, even when it looks impossible. Well, that's, you know, here we are like almost 30 years later from there. And, and we could talk about so many huge accomplishments, yet the concern is, we seem to be going backwards sometimes. We um, do seem. We, we do seem. And uh, not going not going backwards, even if we're not going forwards, we're getting left behind. All my life, Dr. Lynn, conditions for women on the planet have improved. No doubt about it. From, from the time I was a young child, seeing my grandmother and the things she did and my mother and things have gotten better for women but we are still at the bottom. Even though we get better every year, we're still at the bottom economically, educationally, health services, maternity leave, all these things, we're at the bottom. Uh, we, in America, white women got the right to vote 100 years ago. 100 years ago, women were given the right to vote. And today we have not passed the ERA the Equal Rights Amendment. And more women are registered to vote, more women vote, but we haven't voted in our own equality. We haven't used the voice and the choice that we've been given, or we've earned, I'm not gonna say given, that we have earned. Yes, and, and what are some of the things that keep women from achieving gender equality? What are some of the big barriers? that? Well, that worldwide, worldwide, I think there are cultural things that have done that. But uh, beyond cultural, it's, uh, it's like we don't see our own possibilities. We don't see that we could make a difference. You know, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals speaks about many areas where women do not have equality, like uh, you know, so many girl children are not in school. So many uh, women do not have access to health or to to jobs or equal pay or, you know, on and on and on. Oh, and domestic violence. Well, here's a, an interesting statistic. In the world, one in three women, one in three are victims of domestic violence. In the United States, where we have laws and policies and safe houses and education, one in four women are victims of domestic violence. 
That's now that is <laughs> women need to make better choices in relationships. So I would say the bottom line is women don't know how to make choices in their own behalf. Well, That's that is so true. Goodness. You know, I, I remember I've been an optometrist for over 45 years. And when I was in school, like in 1970, mid 70s, uh, I was one of six women in a class of 69. And uh, the administration thought we were overthrowing the school because there were <laughs> six of us or had been maybe one or two. And at that time, you know, I never heard of the term and women equality, and I never understood why there weren't, you know, I was pretty naive to the whole situation. And um, it forced me to be an overachiever almost, uh, that I had to be better than the men to prove myself even just as an equal. Mm -hmm. And and I just remember the stressors and the little sub-comments. Our, our contact lens professor really believed women could never fit contact lenses because it took a lot of beard stroking. And none of us had beards, although one day we all showed up with <laughs> fake beards, sat in the front row to show them we had beards and we could do this. But yeah, I you know, it really, that's the shock to me is that a lot of this problem is women themselves making their choices and learning how to make those choices and stand in those choices. Absolutely. And and we defer too frequently to men. And it's not, you know, uh, when, when you were describing uh, your experience, you know, we often compare ourselves to men as we do things. And women are so uniquely different. It's not that we want to be like men so we can have equality. It's like, it's more that our own natural differences, the uniqueness about women adds to the decision-making, adds to the relationship. And so we need to believe in the value of who you are who we are, not try to be who we aren't in order to gain equality. <clears throat> that all sounds really great, but what are some of the methods and, and strategies that either in place or you'd like to see in place to empower women to achieve well, that? Yeah, <clears throat> we chose a university setting for the World Academy for the Future of Women because for the first time for many women, they're in a in a, a residential area, not living with their parents. And so they have an opportunity or they have choices that their parents have less, I'm gonna say less control or less opinions about because they don't see the choices. The, the parents don't see the choices. So the women choose can choose more freely for themselves. So that is really, turning point I think for women and a and a place that they really give away a lot of their power by making wrong choices or making choices that don't promote them forward so mm -hmm. in a university they're choosing if they haven't already cho chosen uh, <clears throat> their major now in China most of the most of the students men and women if you say what are you majoring in let's say accounting well why did you choose accounting well my dad said that that was that was a good major right. so they didn't choose accounting they followed their father's recommendations for choosing accounting and so we have an operating principle in the academy and it's think about how you think 
And for them to really realize, did they really think they wanted to be an accountant? And most of them say, I don't like accounting, but my father said, and, it, and in China, it's really hard to change your major. So they're stuck with that through their life. But they're also, they're also choosing partners or they're choosing spouses or they're choosing the next place they're going to live or they're, they're making choices that haven't been available to them before. And if they can focus on what they really want rather than what their parents say, you know, come back to the village, 80% of the women in the academy and men in the academy come from villages in China. And so uh, often the, the advice parents give them is based upon the narrow, their narrow view of the world. And in the World Academy, they get a broad view of the world. We're training them to be global citizens. So they have to look beyond the borders of their village and their community and their country and see the world and their place in the world. And it's just really exciting when they get the bigness of the place they're living in. You know, so often I hear people say it's a small, small world. And I say, oh, no, it's not a small, small world. <laughs> if you spend as much time on airplanes as I do, you'd know it's not small and you would know that it's accessible. And so it, it's not a small world, but it's an accessible world. And we have had village women. One just graduated with a Ph.D. from the University of Florida. Wow. And uh, and one just graduated with a PhD from a university in Beijing, and one is in Paris and uh, studying for a master's, and one is in Great Britain studying for a master's, and one is in uh, the University of Warsaw studying for. They really they really got out of that mindset that it's a small small world, and they're going for it. So Jerry, let me take you back a little bit. Um, these these women that attend the World Academy, did they complete their high school, you know, traditional <laughs> education in like in China, for example? Yes, they did. Uh, they completed high school and they enrolled in a university. And then and this is true in Nepal and Bangladesh as well. And then in the university, they have a full university program. And so uh, in addition to their university program, they apply for the World Academy. And then if through their application and interview, they're selected, they agree to spend eight to 10 hours a week in, in the World Academy curriculum, including creating a project around a United Nations sustainable goal. So they've made a choice of bigness because that's a lot, eight to 10 hours a week and there's no credit for the World Academy. It's a non-credit course. And it's eight to 10 hours a week for a whole year. And, and interesting, Dr. Lynn, after the first year, the women who completed said, oh, we want another year. What are we going to do next year? And I went, oh, my gosh, I have to do another year curriculum. And then after the second year, they said, now what do we do? And th then we did the Academy in action. And then after the third year, they said, what's next? And we did the Academy in the world. And so they can actually stay in the World Academy for four years and uh, create their lives. That's really, really exciting. And so this is eight to 10 hours a week, in addition to their full load of university credits. Yes. Is that correct? Yeah. And so what, one, of the, one of the major fundamental things is they have to they have to see that they have all the time in the world, that this is 
that they have enough time for this, that they're willing to make time for this. And so we work a lot on analyzing their use of time. How do they use it? We say you have all the time in the world. You have 24 hours a day. That's all the time in the world. That's all you've got. <laughs> and so you've got it all. You've got it all. <laughs> yeah. So that's an important lesson in life just in it general. Is. For sure. And so they're responsible for balancing it. They have university classes and they have World Academy classes. And when are they going to have social life? And when are they going to have exercise? And every day needs to reflect that they're thinking about that. Wow. So tell us about some of the people, some of the, the teachers um, and consultants that you bring into the World Academy. I mean, how do you get these leaders and what are some of their backgrounds? You know, that that is a just a really, really wonderful thing to ask me to talk about, because <laughs> <laughs> when I uh, when I started the World Academy, I had left being on the board of this university because I felt somebody else needed to have the experience of being on the board because that that's really a, a wonderful uh, job to be or a volunteer job to be on a university board. And uh, but I didn't want to leave the university. And so I said to the uh, founder of the university, I'm going off the board, but I don't want to leave the university. And he said, uh, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to start a world academy for the future of women. And he said, what is that? And I didn't, I, I don't think, I really don't think I had ever said world academy for the future of women before I heard myself say it. And then he said, what is it? And I said, oh, well, it's a bold and daring leadership program that will prepare women for campus, community, country, and global leadership. Wow. And he, he said, then the first woman president of China would graduate from this university and have gone through the World Academy. And I said, yes, that's right. And he said, then let's do it. So um, I came home from China. I always say I reached altitude before I left the, the tarmac. I was so excited. And then got home and said, what on earth have I asked for the World Academy? I have no idea. I know what you know, I know what I want. I know why I want to do this, but I have no idea how to do it. So I put it on my website and people started calling me and saying, what's the World Academy for the Future of Women? I want to be part of it. And I said, why? And then I started writing down <laughs> why they wanted to be part of it. And Brilliant. within a month, <laughs> I had so many more ideas than I had started with. And uh, I called them all back and said, you know, I didn't get funded for this. But if you want to be part of the inaugural World Academy for the Future of Women facilitator body, you need to pay your way to China, stay five weeks, and write a four-week curriculum on leadership. And all of a sudden, they were saying, okay, okay. Wow. And, and you know, it what was so exciting is these were not women sitting around with nothing to do. They were women who were working. There were women who, they were life coaches. They were they were doctors. They were taught in universities. One was vice president of Girl Scouts of America. Uh, they they were from all fields, but and it they weren't. It wasn't. I don't take credit for them following me. They followed the World Academy for the Future of Women. They, they resonated with a future for women that they could contribute to. And so I uh, 
I said, okay. And then they started sending me their stuff and choosing the modules. I, I named the module so I could uh, could direct the, the way the curriculum was going. And they just started preparing their, um, their instruction to those modules. And we went through the first year and it was stunning. And they had people who wanted to come the second year and third year and fourth year. And we've never paid people to be a facilitator. That is amazing. Is it there, is. Yeah. Is we, there funding? I mean, you still need some funding for, you know, some parts of the courses, don't, do you not? Well, yes, we do. And that's, that's, our, that's not our strong suit, but uh, it will be. It will be. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've been going since 2009, and we've never been, uh, um, I'm going to say, financially stable. Uh, that, that's, I'm, I'm not saying this well, Lynn, so let me just say it all, and then I'll go back and edit it. We've never had sufficient, we've never had paid staff. Let's say, say that. We've never had paid staff, but we've had mega resources, mega resources, you know, people. Some of the, the facilitators who've gone to China have gone back two or three times. Some of them have gone to China, then to Nepal, then to Bangladesh, and they're waiting for us to open in India and Zambia and Vancouver. They're waiting for the next places. And they stay in touch with with the students. So uh, now I've even forgotten the question. <laughs> but uh, resource wise, we've we've spent more time uh, recruiting and encouraging people to participate than we have writing grants. Although we we we've gotten we have gotten grants, but they've been small grants. They haven't been big grants, but. Um, yeah, but your vision is so big and so enrolling. Look what you're able to accomplish um, with enrolling people and finding, you know, people seeing such importance empowering women that they'll spend their own time, energy, you know, and their own resources to make a difference in this world. And there women. are, yeah, th yes, thank you. That, that's what's so inspiring is that they come back lit up over what they saw made a difference through their relationship. And it is a relationship curriculum. It is about, uh, there's a hundred women or men in the academy each year. And uh, their relationship with the facilitators is just amazingly strong. Uh, they Women can tell you who their facilitators were you know, and, and what they learn from them. And uh, it, it, it is an amazing relationship. And the facilitators maintain connections um, through, throughout, you know, we have 1500 alumni and, uh, and we have 160 facilitators who have taken them through the journey of, of finding their purpose and their passion. And they communicate. Um, one woman from, uh, uh, Bangladesh just arrived this week from Dhaka to go to a university in New Jersey that her mentor helped her find and helped her get a scholarship. Well, that is so exciting. And we're going to take a break here in just a moment, Jerry. And uh, after the break, uh, I, I'm really interested in hearing more of these big successful programs. This is not just creating 
you know, a wonderful, successful life for one person, the impact that person may have in their uh, family, community, and worldwide could be in the, uh, the thousands, millions of people. And so I certainly understand why so many of these mentors keep keep in touch with people that they've touched and and changed their lives. So let's take a break, Jerry, and we'll be back in a few minutes to talk more about the World Academy and the wonderful achievements of accelerating women's leadership worldwide. Thank you. Discover the power of the seeing brain, the creator of your true vision. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's number one bestseller book, Expand Your Vision, helps you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Remove roadblocks and visualize your new lens to see and experience your world. Get Expand Your Vision on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, we are speaking with Jerry Uberly, who's just been amazing in creating the World Academy, uh, training women around the world, literally, uh, especially in a lot of the third world countries, to become leaders, not only in their, their family, work, uh, communities, but worldwide. So let's continue on. And, and Jerry, tell us about, you know, what would be the results of having the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals achieved. And why, why hasn't that uh, happened yet? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm <just laughs> so puzzled at why it happened. Uh, remember I said that in 1995, I went to the fourth UN Women's Conference in Beijing. And five years later, the UN developed eight millennium goals. And they were millennium goals with a 15-year timeline. And they included ending hunger, ending poverty, all children in school, uh, ending domestic violence, ending uh, malaria and HIV AIDS, uh, something around the environment. I'm leaving, uh, oh, maternity and child health were all included in that with the 15-year timeline. Well, at the end of the 15 years, not one country had met one goal. They had made incredible improvement, but not one goal had been met. So the UN reestablished and they created the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which were 17 goals with another 15-year timeline, which is to end in 2030. And before the pandemic, not one country had met one goal. And after the pandemic or during the pandemic, women lost ground like they had never lost ground before. Because of COVID, many of them uh, had to quit their jobs, stay home, take care of the families. Many of them got COVID. Many of them did not have access to health care. Uh, the economy tanked and uh, women just went, lost many, many, many gains that had been made. And so, uh, you know, we're now at 2022 and 2030, these 17 goals are going to be met. And it's highly unlikely that that's going to happen. And we need to get behind it because the millennium goals are really goals for humanity. If we could achieve these, well, just think ending hunger. We waste more food on the planet than we consume. That's, I mean, that takes leadership. That doesn't take growing more food. That takes more leadership right. and distribution. I was having a conversation just this week 
with the university in Zambia uh, where we want to get an academy within the next year. And uh, they said, well, you know, women's leadership is important, but the most important part, uh, the thing in Zambia now is not starving to death. We have people who are starving. And, and that's, you know, that's true in lots of countries. And right. do, you, do you know in Phoenix, Arizona, where I live, 27% of the children in Phoenix, Arizona live in food scarcity? I can't, I can't even say that without thinking that can't be true. That is that unbelievable. And that means free lunches. That means, you know, that means food banks. That means everything we've set up to take care of it rather than better leadership in the utilization of food. Our, our better utilization in families being able to financially manage their their budget it, there there's so many answers that leadership could could address rather than than how we're I, and i'm not i'm not saying no food banks i'm not saying no free lunches i'm not against it, any of that but there's there's something that's not happening because every year food banks want more money for food banks right and right. if we were meeting the need they would want less money or they would need less money same thing with domestic violence if uh, we always want more safe houses, our, our street, our, our people living on the streets, there's more and more of that occurring. And we need a solution at the beginning of the problem, not at the end of what we're going to do when it happens. So that's one thing. But every student in the World Academy has to do a project during their year in the Academy based on a UN sustainable goal. And so in Nepal, there was a real little girl. She looked so young. I was surprised she was even in college. And I said, Rita, what are you going to do for your UN project? And she stood up straight and she said, no more child brides. And I said, oh my wow, God. Rita, that's amazing. Why did you choose that? And she said, well, when I was 14, my parents wanted me to marry this man who was 44 years old. And I just wanted to go to school. And so my teacher gave me some money and I had never, ever been out of my village. And I walked a mile until I found a bus and it took me seven hours to get into Kathmandu. And I stood on the corner and begged for a place to stay. And what, what I saved courage. Me. Oh my gosh. I know. So, you know, that she could do that, that she could see beyond the condition she was in, that she could have a vision beyond where she was and the courage to pursue it and people who would reach out to her and support her. And so, you know, we all went to the village with her to do this performance on No More Child Brides. And, and uh, you know, we went to seven hours from Kathmandu and walked an hour into the village and did a performance for the children in the schools. And then the, the World Academy members who went with her met with all the families and talked about the, you know, what happens when a woman gets married so young that they don't have a future because they don't have an education. And then all the students in the school signed a petition that they would never, ever support child marriages. And that was the, that was a project. And now Rita is in the UAE getting her master's degree. Isn't that just amazing? What a, I know. You can't make up these stories. <laughs> no. And, you know, when you're having people that have lived, lived that kind of life and have the courage to come out, they're unstoppable. And that, that's, right. that's what you're doing is creating these unstoppable people and there giving are them path. So, so, so many women who think they have to get married you know, because that's how it is in their culture. Or that's what their parents say, or they, you know, they, they don't have the will to resist. 
are to dream. Uh, and, and dream is an word we use in the academy. Uh, goal setting is, you know, people can dream. It, dreams without actions are just nice fairy tales. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's great. How do you help these young women deal with, I'm sure there's a lot of resistance from their, uh, especially their family. Yeah. members and their community um is that part of the training is dealing with it that is resistance? it really is and some of this is going to sound familiar to you dr lynn but uh in china there was a woman from a village who said to me one day i want to be a fashion designer her parents were peanut farmers hmm. and i said oh my gosh how wonderful fashion design how did you decide on that well i i just love clothes and i love materials and i and she and and then she just kind of her voice dwindled in, and I said, "And so what?" And she said, "Oh, my parents will never let me. I want to go to Manchester University in the UK and get my degree." And I said, "Well, it sounds like you need to have an adult conversation with your parents." I said, "Your parents only want the best for you, and they think that what they're what they're suggesting is the best they can think of. So you go share what you think is best for them with the excitement that you came to me with." And, you know, and enroll them in how wonderful you, your life will be if you can pursue this. And she did. And she came back and she and she applied to Manchester and she got a scholarship and she went there and got her master's degree after she finished the, uh, the university program there. And then she contacted me and she said, I need another conversation. She said, I want to stay in and the UK and work because opportunities for me to practice what I've learned are so much greater here than if I come back to China and my village. And I said, well, you do. Do you know what you want to say to your parents? And she said, yes, I do. And so she stayed another year. Actually, she stayed two more. I mean, they get, they get that they have a voice. They get that they have a choice. And uh, often they don't have the courage to use it. So, well, being heard and being seen, as we know, are probably the yes. most important things in our life. And to be able to find your voice and be coached. And, you know, many of the listeners may know that, you know, you and I know each other from landmark education, uh, worldwide community of truly finding your voice and empowering um, ourselves and each other in, in our conversations. And, and that's... You know, it's interesting. We're talking about worldwide and in, in these countries that most of us have never visited. This same problem occurs right here in the U.S. of people having all the opportunity in the world and still parents um, telling kids how they want their the kids to live their life and the kids not being yeah. empowered to have the kinds of conversations that need to be done to be the leaders and, and to create your own world. And Jerry, you are such an example of going out and using your voice and creating something that nobody's, that I know of has ever created. And, um, you know, besides commending you on that, I know I had asked this question to you before is like, here, so you go. So now let's go to Zambia. Well, how do you go to Zambia and find, you know, your connections to make this happened now in another country I mean, isn't that amazing 1-800-ZAMBIA is that what you do <laughs> you know I had to go to the map and find it because somebody uh from Africa uh contacted me after a presentation I had made at the um at the conference on global transformation who uh his vision is to uh train a million young people 
in leadership for Africa. <laughs> wow. So when I said, oh, okay, let's do that. And how can I help? And he said, uh, well, uh, I think we should start in Kenya, Zambia, and South Africa. And I said, okay. And then I went to the map to find Zambia. And he knew people in universities. And, and so now we have an MOU on board uh, to be uh, sorted out. And then I start finding people who want to go to Zambia. It's about opening your mouth and creating conversations and looking for connections. It really, it really is. And there's all, and it takes lots of conversations and you've got to keep the conversations going because if you're not talking about it, it begins to look big. But if you're talking about it, it's, and, and, you know, and I always say when people say, well, that's not possible. I don't, I don't think this is possible. I always say, well, if it were possible, well, how would we do it? I love that line, and that came out so strongly in your conference global transformation speech. Uh, no doesn't seem to be in your vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's just so many ways. You know, when you look out of the world, when you look out in, in a room, everything in the room didn't exist at one time until somebody saw, had an idea about it, and then did it. Everything got created from not being there. And so world peace can be created. We're, we're not seeking world peace because we've had it and we want to recreate it. We want, to, we want world peace now. And, and uh, I, I, I certainly believe every single millennium goal already has the resources to be achieved. We just need to develop the leadership. And, and yes, parents, I want to go back real quickly because I know our time's short, Lynn, but uh, a lot of times good jobs mean good pay. A lot of times good jobs or good careers mean good position or visibility or something. It doesn't mean meaningful. I cannot tell you in my lifetime how many people have said to me, well, when I retire, I'm going to do something like you're doing, Jerry. When I retire, I'm going to do When you retire, do it now. Do it now. Don't waste that energy on waiting till you retire or don't get into a job that you don't like because you're going to make money, but not make any. Oh, but not make a difference. A World Academy member called me uh, in in January and she said and she's just out of the academy one year and she said, Jerry, I'm in Shanghai. I have a job in Shanghai, but I quit. And I said, you quit your job in Shanghai. And she said, yes. And I said, well, what are you going to do? Well, what's your new job? And she said, well, I don't have one. And I said, and all, you know, all the, the, the uh, parental conversations went through my mind. And I said, why did you quit your job? And she said, you know, the only thing I was getting from my job was my paycheck. And I want a meaningful job. Wow. And I thought, my God, this woman is 22 years old. And she really knows she's not going to be have a boring life. She knows she's going to do something meaningful. And that, that's just the biggest thrill that you can have is to see somebody get their worth, get their value, get their purpose and go for it. Doesn't that warm your heart when you see oh, those yes. lights go on and you see they're, they're on course, you know, whatever that course may be. Yeah. And, and, and one, one more. And uh, two weeks ago, a, a woman called me and she also works in, in Shanghai and she just got a job with Google. And she said, Jerry, I am so, I am so scared. I just don't think that I'm worthy of this job at Google. And I said, oh my goodness, they didn't hire you because they thought you couldn't do the job. 
you know, get that thought out of your mind. They chose you because they know you can do it. And she said, oh, yeah, they chose me. <laughs> yeah, they did. Now go get, go do the job they want you to do. That's and I've had two great. more conversations and she's just, you know, she's climbing up that ladder. So uh, it, it just takes conversations with women going back to what's it going to take to change women. Conversations without doubt, without a doubt. Find a way. Make it up. And can you repeat that line that you had said, you know, when you always uh, ran into a barrier when somebody says it couldn't yeah. be done or it doesn't exist and you'd always yeah. say, if it were possible, can you say that line for us again? Yeah. What, what I hear so often, it was, well, that's interesting, but it's not possible. And then I say, well, if it were possible, how would we do it? And, you know, they always know. They always <laughs> They always can answer that question. We are so much smarter than we act. We are so instead instead of saying it's not possible, they should say it's not convenient or yeah, it's not worth my time or something else. But it is possible. My gosh, it is possible. Look at what we've created on this planet. Yeah, it's possible. We just need to have leadership to to uh, find the way. You know that was why you are so you know, such a shining example of expand your vision beyond sight in that <laughs> if it were possible, what's beyond what you actually see that's right in front of you, that that's yeah. hidden or beyond. And, and it's just asking those questions. And, and, and uh, that's what you've done all along is inquiry. And then it look, makes you look like the top expert with all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's cool. <laughs> that yeah, works. that's cool. <laughs> A couple more questions before we end. You know, what is the greatest barrier you face at achieving the outcome you want? Uh, um, I'm compelled to say time, but I have all the time in the world and I, and I use it. Oh my gosh, do I use time? Uh, it's uh, resignation uh, that I face resignation. Um, I see resignation all around. And I, I consider the United States not a developing country, not, not a third world country by any chance, but we are certainly the country that is the least performing country given our access to wealth and power and creativity and innovation. We are the least performing country given the resources we have. And because we, we stand shoulder to shoulder with some of the things that haven't been achieved for women. There are, there are several countries that have more women in their congresses than we do. Uh, and, and we just uh, have been resigned to whatever we're resigned to, getting out to vote and voting for the things we want and, and going for what we want in our lives and families. So uh, I guess I guess resignation would probably be the biggest barrier, doubt. So we need we need to train women. We need to train young women to be confident, to be courageous, to be uh, to be self-expressed on what they want and what they see as possible. And that sounds so simple, and it really is. But getting yeah, the word is. out and getting the the connections and the belief system—that's really. Well, we're yeah. talking about it. See it, say it, do it. You know, right. Yeah. Create, declare, and take action. Uh, but we need leaders like you. That, that's the role of the leader is to help people see their own creations 
yes. and find ways to follow through. Yeah. 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 Well, you are just so inspiring, Jerry. The moment I met you years ago, <laughs> Uh, and to see you haven't, you know, you haven't slowed, you ha you know, your, your dreams get bigger, you continue on. And I'm in just such awe of you. I want to make sure our listeners have a, um, your contact information and also want to make sure if you can send me the link for those UN sustainable goals, because uh, I think they're really important. And I would love to see everybody pick one of those goals, one part of those goals and, and take action, however small or large it might be. So share with us your contact information and how to learn more about what you're doing. Good. I'll be delighted to do that. Thank you so much, Lynn, for having me on the program. And uh, anyone who's listening who wants to be a facilitator for the World Academy, be sure to contact me. We will make it possible. And your contact information will be on our um, show notes, which will yes. be good. great. Are there any other references, resources, um, or last words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I, th I think each of us need to be aware that each day is a new day and a new day to learn. So don't get up and repeat the pattern of yesterday. Wake up and look for new possibilities to reach your goal. Well, thank you. Thank you for your words of wisdom and inspiration. It's just been a delight today. And I want to thank everybody for joining us today as well. And remember, and I'm my my finishing line is so similar to yours, but with the words of vision, you know, your vision doesn't define you. You define your vision. Ooh. Expand <laughs> your vision and see with clarity, gain courage and confidence. And just take a moment to gently close your eyes and take a few breaths and imagine yourself looking through a lens of clarity, courage, and confidence. Create, create your vision, create your world. And with that, I thank you so very much, Jerry, and thanks to the listener. And we'll hear and talk to you soon. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.